This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at a documentary about a famous underwater explorer in Becoming Cousteau and an intense historical drama set in 14th century France, The Last Duel. We also have more news on the International Film Festival, which starts in Christchurch this Friday. Imagine that this would be underwater. You would move like this, swimming in space above all your little friends. It's beautiful. When my friends and I started, it was for us the pleasure of discovering. I wanted to show what was in the sea so that people would love it. In order to go deeper, in order to stay longer, I became an inventor by necessity. People at that time had no idea of what was going on under the surface. I had to put a camera in a housing, so I had to invent that too. That's when I understood the power of images. Becoming Cousteau is an inspirational documentary that takes a look at the life, achievements and tragedies of the famous French underwater explorer and environmentalist. Carolyn Brown's been off to the Alice cinemas to see this very impressive film. Carolyn, I understand that you were already fully aware of the work of Jacques Cousteau. So what did you think of Becoming Cousteau? I really love this film. It, it's it's real. It doesn't cover up his mistakes or anything, that, or his rethinking of things over the years like he began he got money to do um, to get his boat on board, <laughs> basically responsible for oil drilling and around uh, <laughs> yeah. the Middle East. <laughs> he um, had to change his opinion about doing <laughs> he that. He did, um, <laughs> but he was quite open about that, that he, he it was a mistake and other things that he did and other things that he... It was just a beautiful documentary. I mean, I, I, I have been aware of him virtually all my life. Same, same. And, yeah, um, yeah this is going back to the 60s, let's say. Not so same. And, uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, and he was always a, a, fam- a famous um, underwater explorer and uh, as you, here and there you saw the occasional film of his too some some mm. of his work and so I was aware and they were Jacques Cousteau's films yes because yeah. this is the whole thing he wasn't just a, an underwater explorer no, he was he's an also inventor. a filmmaker oh, and well, an yeah. inventor yeah yep. you know he's, he's a remarkable man in every yeah. way and he completely existed in a world where he was able to do all that without limits. Nobody kind of said, no, you can't yeah, do that. Yeah, or yeah. And he just went off and did yeah. them. And, oh, yeah, and he's yeah. That, that sort of strong, good self-confidence. Even with, that, <laughs> no, even with that big nose, he could still be quite good looking. <laughs> he's a very attractive man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very attractive. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he just had the confidence. I mean, he had the privilege to be able to do it. Really? Yes. I mean, his wife was just as much of an explorer as what he was. She was the first woman 
scuba diver, as it were, and she did an awful lot of work on her own, and she supported the business. Yeah, yeah. well, she's that important woman in, in the fam- business family. Yeah. They're the ones who do all the and detail. And if anything, at, at I mean, time. it mm. comes out in the documentary that she gave him an ultimatum, if you marry me, then you have to get me on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> you have to buy me a boat. So you could argue that she mm. was actually, yeah, she's the woman behind the man. Yeah. But so he does have a lot of privilege to be able to do what yeah. he does. But, oh, yeah. It's just beautiful. Well, well, it was he who initiated and first started off um, deep underwater. Yes, the aqualung. Um, yeah, yeah the swimming. Yeah, which Go, I didn't Going know. deeper. Nobody before that was capable of going down that deep. Yeah. And, um, but then he brought up this idea of the aqualungs and developed the, the concept of aqualungs very well in the process there. Yes, and yeah. One, yeah. He built on other people's designs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yes. he developed. He them did further. it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He put it all together. <laughs> he put it together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, amazing. Yeah, this could have easily have been a three-hour documentary, and they oh, still yeah. wouldn't have finished all the yeah. things that he was. And of known course, for. They, 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 that's what made this film possible. Is that most of the the um, shot, the film work, the shots in this film are stuff that he himself was responsible for yeah, making or getting yeah. made. <laughs> yeah, they're looking pretty grainy now, being yeah. on film. But mm. the, yeah, they hadn't lost their quality at all in a way. He was a very good director, yeah. a very good cinematographer. And, and so what was quite clever in the, or how how well done it was putting this one together it was um, that the commentaries in it, you never I'd hardly ever see the people who are commenting on what he did over the years. No. But they are all people from his personal life who were there with him at that time explaining what Cousteau was up to or what difficulties he had or what he was achieving, all that sort of thing, you know. And and then they could also turn to his personal diary and get some bloke yeah, to read. The letters out and of stuff. That. It was quite <laughs> interesting actually. I was asked by someone, Oh, is it all in French? And I had to think about it because it was so seamlessly that I couldn't remember how much was subtitles and how much yeah, was in English. Yeah, that's right. There were subtitles. I was just yeah. so involved in the documentary. Well, I had well, to think about it. Well, I had to get some bloke who could read his French <laughs> diary in English. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, was all of it in French or was it in English? No, it wasn't. It was something. But anyway, yeah, no, no. a brilliant documentary. And mm. it's the only sad thing is that... The stuff that he talks about with climate change and the damage we were doing. Yeah, yeah. The action fifty years later is still having yeah. to fight. I mean, yeah, the the, the fight against the uh, these underwater the oceans ecosystem that have been going on. Yeah. I mean, they're all tied in with climate change and all this also now. And he was fighting those so strongly back, oh, and certainly in the nineties. And now he's aware of these issues before that, but by that time he's getting out and speaking against. Um, no. You know, with the damage that was being caused around the world underwater. Essentially, you're still on the underwater side of the whole thing. Uh, but then even later on, the years went on, he started to become aware that it affected above yeah, water. and too. also of his own impact as well. I mean, I was reading about this morning that he he's actually, his boat was responsible for bringing um, a seaweed into the Mediterranean, which has taken over and caused a lot of damage oh, as well. But he's involved in cleaning that up as well. And yeah, <laughs> and his legacy lives on. I mean, all of his like his grandchildren as following in his yeah. steps, yeah, footsteps. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah, become yeah. famous themselves. Yeah, you always yeah. became aware that that Cousteau and his son yeah. was doing something and this sort of thing. These connections. Yeah, he, he was absolutely fascinated just with going underwater yeah. and exploring, seeing all the amazing animals. 
uh, fish, uh, sea uh, creatures that he found down there. You know, it's and you see quite a few things in that film that I've never seen. Yeah, before. no, he's definitely a pivotal man in history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but he also, you know, that deep sort of um, fascination and love he had for all this. There's one sort of. Um, Quote from him in the film where that you know the Cousteau loved diving so much that he once defined the misery of emerging from the blue depths as being forced back to earth after being introduced to heaven. Yeah, no, now, you can't totally beat believe- that. Can no, you? you can't. That's an awesome <laughs> quote, and I can understand that being a water pad myself. So, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, and then his last years were devoted to um. Yeah, as uh, doing climate something, change, yeah. yeah, prevention of underwater damage, and then more and more into climate change itself, and uh, oh, and I think this is why this film was has been put together, and uh, it was it first came out last year, I think, and um, and this is because of the to to, to link in with the climate change. The big change climate movement. conference it's, that's going on at the moment. Oh, yeah. that's right. Where's yeah. that? Uh, Edinburgh, I want to oh, say somewhere in Scotland. Edinburgh, I think. We've sent some MPs over Mm. (laughs) (laughs) to do it. But, um, yeah, yeah, hopefully. Okay. Anyway, he was an amazing man. Yeah, and if you haven't heard of him, go and see See, this film. And if you have heard of him, go and see this film. You will then also. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on becoming Cousteau. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. With me now on the phone is Nick Paris of the Lumiere Cinemas, which is one of the two Christchurch theatres that will be starting this year's International Film Festival on Friday. Nick, you gave us a short preview a couple of weeks ago of the upcoming film festival. This time, could you start off by telling us which is the other theatre that will be showing some of this year's more than 90 movies? Yeah, well, 95 films from 30-something countries. Oh, Um, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so um, about five years ago, six years ago, we obviously put digital equipment in, or crowdfunded it, really, uh, at the Isaac Theatre Royal. We've been there about five, six years now. Yeah. So one third of the festival will be there as well as the remaining two-thirds at the Lumiere. Oh, I was going to ask that, yeah. And Mm -hmm. and the reason it works is is twofold, really. Um, It keeps all the energy in the city and also... People can walk from venue to venue and be in time for, you know, swapping shows and going to different, you know, um, uh, films on yeah. their calendar. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Within just a few metres of, of walking, uh-huh. a few minutes of walking. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking back, you've been associated with the um, showing these sort of films and doing um, movies for the Isaac Theatre Royal for quite some time before the, you opened the Lumiere. Yeah, yeah. So um, I remember installing projectors up there in the 80s, <laughs> late 80s, um, through yes. to the middle 90s. And um, I'm just showing Sunday night double features, um, sort of art house double features. It was just a hobby, really, but um, it was an expensive hobby, but a hobby nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and now the action for you is on at the Lumiere. So... Yeah, yeah. So it's a very seat of the pants. Um, you know, um, COVID-related last-minute um, 
festival and, and I think the, the, the great news for Christchurch Cinephiles is that it's even happening, you know, despite what's going on around the world and the difficulty of getting, you know, festivals seen in front of audiences. Um, yeah, and we're the first off the bat in New Zealand, given that Auckland reluctantly bowed out uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how did that go last year? How did the festival go? Did you have difficulties with that last oh, year? It was too? a bit of a hybrid festival. Mainly it was um, online streaming uh, for a lot of the time. Oh, that's right, yeah. 90%. And then we had some selected in-house or in-cinema screenings, which actually went, went really, really well. Oh, well, I've got um, a feeling you're going to do well this year too. Oh, I hope so. It's a little last minute. Um, however, look, you know, just having a festival here, I'm just very grateful uh, t- t- to even have it in Christchurch this year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I noticed that there's a, a, a tribute to Bill Gosden. Well, he's a former, long, quite a long-time director of the film festival, wasn't he? I mean, I can, yes. I'm thinking back and it was always, oh, well, Bill Gosden, go and talk to Bill Gosden. He's a bloke. He'll check you out. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> You know, he helmed it for 40 years, and it's oh. in his blood. It's in his blood, you know, as a, as a candy boy or a nibble nook boy at the um, Octagon Cinema in, in um, Dunedin, uh, right through and right to the end, he he was he championed the art the, the art of bringing international cinema to New Zealand. Yeah, and he gave or he gave up his life for it, really, to be honest. Yeah, well, he died last year at the age of 66. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little uh, tribute section um, of some of his favourite films that the film festival managed to to get on um, to celebrate his his tenure, his valuable tenure. Oh, so, I see. You know, um, uh, Flowers of Shanghai and the 20th anniversary of Snakeskin, um, which he really enjoyed because <laughs> it was kind of like a, a, a sort of more um, peppy version of Goodbye Pork Pie. But a local director, Gillian Ashurst, who lives out at uh, Oxford, um, will be thrilled uh, in that Bill selected this film as being one of his favourites. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got to see Snakeskin again. I've got, I had a few associations with that film at the time, and um, I've got to catch up with it all again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. yeah, it's hand-on-the-heart material that, that, that we see, see him signed off, in a way, um, in this festival. And there's a great book that he sort of um, co-wrote uh, coming out as well. Oh, has he? Uh, oh, yeah. What's that about the film? His film yeah, it's life? It's called or? the Gosden Years. Yeah. So oh, okay. It's kind of like yeah, like a little um, yeah, yeah, sort of compendium of his yeah. work. Well, well, another name, a sort of um, name from just not too long ago, uh, comes back also, and that's um, Ant uh, Timpson. Yeah, well, Ant's association goes back quite a few years, but even before that, he was the programmer of the Incredibly Strange Film Festival. Yeah, that and was Ant's wonderful, crazy set. thing. Yeah. yeah, and that bowed, I think, in Christchurch in the 90s, um, yeah. late 80s, 90s, I think. I've got all the brochures at home, actually. Yeah, so um, Ant, year on year, curates, you know, some very, you know, at least half a dozen strange titles. Um, so he's selected these uh, films to be shown this year, has he, at the, as part of the festival? Uh, part, part, part of them. Part oh, of I them. see. Uh-huh. Yeah, part of them, yep. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, like people all around, you know, uh, different parts of the world, the globe, Asia, Europe, um, that program on our behalf and curate films because they're, oh, they're there on the spot. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, this is it. I mean, at uh, I mean, of course, every year you do have some films of a sort of the incredibly strange type in there, but it's just interesting to see them all put together with you know with the yeah, help of Ant yeah, Simpson. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that's good. And the same. I notice you've got a sort of special section there for a while with animation for kids. Yeah, that, animation for kids. You know, yeah. that's growing in popularity. In fact, all of the short film festivals we have within the umbrella of the, the main festival um, uh, are keenly anticipated, you know, and, and as Show Me Shorts is and, and all those sort of things. But, um, yeah, short film, I mean, that's the bedrock of, of directors' work later in their career. So they've got to start off somewhere. So that's why there's a lot of... Um, um, hunger um, and anticipation to see to see you know yeah, um, yeah. how people for- formulate their their style if you will. Now to find out more about all of these issues, um, I think people have to get hold of the magnificent um, uh, program book that you've put out uh, th- this this year. Yep. And so, so where can people? You go- well, they can, <laughs> well, over the course of the next few hours, there'll be. A, Available at you know public libraries and certainly at the, both venues, the Isaac and um, the Lumiere have oodles, thousands at the moment. So yeah, I came yeah, by. Come and get, come and get the brochure because it remains you know the, by far the most favourite form of interaction. You know, oh, with yeah. the festival. Well, I, I came by about oh, five o'clock yesterday afternoon to pick up a couple of copies, uh, and uh, there was a big box of them downstairs outside on the street. Yeah, yeah, I've got to get them out of there because it's yeah. We've well, only got a few days to go, like seventy-two hours to go. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But know. I noticed that you know you've got those coffee seat cafe type coffee seats yeah. out there. There were about five people sitting on them, and each one was reading. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. My job is done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is here too. We've already run out of time. But thank you all the best for your time. And um, all the best. I'm sure it'll go well this year. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. That was Nick Paris with news on the International Film Festival, which starts at the Lumiere Cinema and Isaac Theatre Royal this Friday. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. Assetmanagers, one word, .co.nz My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. And then was... Judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. A most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Chocolegris entered our home. Set in 14th century France, the last duel begins and ends with a violent conflict between two men about the alleged rape of the wife of one of them. Rosie Bell Alcolea has been off to the Silky Otter Cinemas at Wigram to see this intense, multi-level, historic movie based on fact.
uh, Rosie. I was surprised how complex and violent this film was, but it won me over all the way. Uh, What did you think of The Last Duel? Same thing. I was so surprised because usually... Violent movies or action movies, per se, is not my cup of tea. Yes, yes. But this one was so well done, and I was so impressed with the action scenes. And the violence kind of made sense, and it was done in such a such way that it was really involving. It was so engaging on what was happening, so... Yeah, I was I was very very impressed with the cinematography. Yeah, yes, exactly that. the cinematography. It captured the feeling as if you were really there in what exactly. those times were actually like. I mean, yes. the people quite a scruffy bunch were walking around. I know, I know. And you know all the swords and horses and all of this yeah. sort of thing. Or you get a scene in in, in Paris. Most of it yes. is outside Paris, but you get this. And in the background is the Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. just being built at yes. that time. Yes, that was and that was beautiful. Sort of Thing, you know, and it's sort of terrific. I was impressed for many, uh, so many things about this film. The first one, the production, yep. right? Yep. The production was done superbly. And actually, I know that the budget for this movie was $100 million. Good heavens. Yes, I I'm, I, don't, I don't wonder <laughs> because, I I mean, seeing Notre Dame being built. Maybe the, they built it again. Maybe. <laughs> and um, the other thing was the sound. The sound was perfect. I mean, it was like you were witnessing the movie and the war battles while you were there. It was almost like you were really there in the in the scene, in the battlefield. The other thing was the acting. The acting of all the characters were amazingly well done. Yes. I mean, I was particularly surprised um, with the uh, woman in it. Um, Jodie Comer. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, she plays Marguerite, and um, and she's right. a very pretty young um, woman, girl. Yes, and you think, oh, just they got a nice one there, but you no. realise then she has got an incredibly Actually, difficult part to yes. play. She is in the centre of this argument about what had happened to her and she had to stand up there in court. She had to stand up in front of all sorts of people, in front of the king, everyone, (laughs) to talk about this. This was not easy stuff. And actually, I think she carries the whole film away with her. I mean, if you... Because let's not uh, forget that this is a story tell by three different points of view. Yeah, and this is, again, what's interesting, if yes. I could toss this in, the film is also presented in three chapters. Yes. This is from the point of view of both men. The true about also him? the wife of one of these men, the one who is uh, raped. And... And and what beats me is that some of those scenes were um, repeated yep. almost exactly the same as before. There might be a few subtle changes in them. Yes, the perspective changes. Yes, I did. because hmm, it, From even, her point when she remembered, you see from what happened from her perspective, exactly. which is different to the one who, from the man who raped there her. There are some sub- subtleties that <laughs> change, right? Because we're seeing the story told by three different characters. And obviously what is being told that the last one, which is the, the Margaret uh, truth, is, yes. is a real one. Yeah. Is what it really happened. Yeah. Well, I it's like not to just think the that. yes, yes. So and and let's not forget this is inspired by a true story. Hmm. So this is also very interesting for me, right? Because the medieval age is just such a obscure time in history that having this um, snip of what happened it was interesting. So yeah. and she carries the movie away, and I think she's 
steals the movie. You know what I mean? She's is the character that you really get fond. Oh yes, well about. you are there backing yeah. her yeah. with her all the yeah. way. Then once you are halfway into this film, and uh, and again this you mentioned the medieval uh, period. This is set in, and and their different attitudes. Oh to my gosh, any, anything. <laughs> I mean the attitude towards women. Yes, the attitude towards all of these sort of things. A cleric, uh, some priest or somebody got up and he claimed that rape is not a crime against a woman. It is a matter of property. It is. And the wife involved is the property of the husband. Therefore, yeah. something is, t it's the, the husband. Who yeah, the, the offended, the offended <laughs> is the husband, yeah. it's not the woman. <laughs> yeah, she's just and you can see, all. yeah, of course, this is the, <laughs> the patriarchal belief system of that time, which makes us green. And, and, and I was, I had several moments of open mouth moments like I can't believe I'm hearing this because of course in nowadays this has improved not as much as we wish wish yeah, yeah, but sure. it has improved obviously yeah. and there's a similar case in court which yes. revealed that Marguerite is pregnant now Yes. From this um, incident. and uh, that, uh, But then they say, well, if that is the case, if she's pregnant now, then um, then she cannot have, uh, um, she must have enjoyed uh, having uh, that sex the rape. with the, the yeah. uh, which was a rape. Uh, whatever happened, uh, that she enjoyed it. Because otherwise, um, women cannot get pregnant if they have not enjoyed the sexual the act sex of with that her, time. Which obviously was imagined. That was <laughs> the medical belief. How, you, how can you imagine that? <laughs> but the thing is, because we were not, um, and the court, even the king couldn't say who was telling the truth, so it was done to God to decide. And oh, that's yeah. what, the, what was the duel, right? Yeah, the so, last duel yeah, is about so what if God, gets killed? Will God decide. can decide who gets killed. And then Marguerite <laughs> put her own life in jeopardy because of this. Mm. So whoever wins the duel is telling the truth because God will favor that yeah. person. That's the interesting part as well. Well, I hope we haven't given away too much about this film, but I can assure you it's a highly intense, sometimes very violent film. Yes. But it's excellent stuff. It's, it's amazing. amazing stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's well, very well recommended. I will only put a warning if... Uh, it's not for everyone because if you have had sexual abuse, it's not good to go because the scenes are very graphic. Yes, yes. And it's not, good, it's not good. It's not good. It will be a trigger. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Thank you very much, Rosie. Thanks. That was Rosie Bell Alcolea with her views on The Last Duel. And I'm Hans Petrovic inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Music